2: Good evening, Riffers! This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast We We' go through many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunted gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of
3: Riffwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riffwake and a Dungeon Master myself, and today we're here to talk about... Slaves! Wait, shit, that is the wrong tone for it. Fuck. Um, nope, seems perfectly fine. And you're not going to edit that. Fuck. Okay, well, fuck it. Let's do this. So, uh, continuing on our theme this month of just going through all the episodes of things that Nathan wants to talk about before he goes off to army, uh, we are going to be talking about slaves in D&D. So, what I hope would be obvious by the title and this introduction, this is a topic that may require some listener discretion. Because we're going to be talking about this very dark topic, but it is Nathan and I, so it's kind of inevitable that terrible things will be said. So, again, listener discretion is advised. (laughs) With that being said, hey, Nathan. Yes. How much do you think slaves and slavery gets talked about in D&D books?
2: Absolutely. Constantly. Everyone loves it. Everyone approves of it. It's great. I
3: approve. It's good. Yes. Okay. Unfortunately, you were correct in two of those things that you just said. (laughs) It actually does get talked about constantly. And I guess it's also true that you approve of it. So technically, I guess that is two accurate things. Thankfully, most individuals do not care for the idea of slavery. So usually a lot of D&D adventures are along the lines of stopping it or helping people or the more common adventurer perspective of, you know, them being captured and about to be sold themselves. That kind of stuff happens a lot. But even aside from that, there's a fucking shocking amount of just casually mention slavery. Mm. So just for an idea of just the most casual. Mm-hmm. So commoner just is a NPC that exists. Right. Like even you know that much. Do you remember anything about the description of a commoner? Uh very average ten and everything, kind of boring. Yeah, no, I mean the actual written description no. <laughs> for the NPC. Commoners include peasants, serfs, slaves, servants, pilgrims, merchants, artisans, and hermits. Yeah, what's
2: special about this? I don't see anything standing out. Uh, it rather specifically
3: mentions peasants, serfs, and slaves. They, they all sound the same. Just uh, You're a terrible person, but this is not. <laughs> uh, but it's right there that it's it's just so goddamn casual that like even that caught me by surprise I was like wait what it's just right there it is mentioned in book after book adventure after adventure <laughs>
2: can, <laughs> can you c- imagine it's just like and so after you give the um you collect your bounty uh the guy gives you a free slave and then you make your way along um and go on to your next quest <laughs>
3: I mean, that actually can be a thing. And okay, try to remember that, Nathan, because I actually would like to talk more about that in a little bit, because maybe. So this is one of the very few times where I cannot accurately tell you how many books slaves get mentioned in because D&D Beyond maxed out the search results. There's more than it will show me. That's i can't new. count all of them because it maxes out. so i know for sure like so just the ones that i can see "Test from the yawning portal tomb of annihilation storm king's thunder lost mine of fendulver out of the abyss uh, princes of the apocalypse uh, dungeon of, of the mad mage ba, 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 repeat 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 sword coast adventurer's guide uh just the general description of half orcs mentions that they're often slaves Princes of the Apocalypse. It's
2: really, all they wow. deserve to be, honestly. The fucking um,
3: Player's Handbook. <laughs> Bolo's Guide to Monsters. Most books!
0: Mm
2: hmm. <laughs> you, you gotta learn something, Remy. In the wide world of D&D, slavery oh, no. is approved. Everyone loves it. It's very fun, very ethical.
3: <sighs> okay, I'm, I'm fairly sure all of those things were wrong this time, thankfully. <laughs> Like, like, this is one of those things that, like, I'm kind of glad that you requested this one, Nathan. Oh, thanks. I knew that it came up a lot, but I hadn't quite put two and two together, that it's practically every book.
2: You know, it's because everyone loves themselves a slave. (sighs) You get a slave.
3: You get a slave. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm going to ask you a question that I'll regret because this is yes. one of your episodes. Okay. So I'm going to not talk too much about how fucked you up, how fucked up you are, unless you truly go over the line, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you will, but I'm, I'm going yes, to try to restrain myself or we won't get anywhere. <sighs> Why might slaves be a relevant subject in D&D 5th edition?
2: You know, sometimes you just need someone to carry your shit for you, eh? And you're tired. I mean, like, sure, you you could pay for a bag of holding, but no, that's too expensive. Why not just buy a slave? You know, sometimes you're all pent up, you're upset, but you need something on the road. Get yourself a slave.
3: (laughs) I'm almost afraid to ask, but pent up. (laughs) anyways uh, (laughs) sometimes thank you for your strength
2: you're, you're bad at cooking and you know rather than go through all the trouble of maybe hiring a chef that you need to pay every single day or hiring a you know like chef to teach you how to cook why not just Buy a slave to cook you your food, hey, sounds fun, right? Eh? and no. that's all it's great. They had a solution to everything need need somebody as a, like a shield get a slave they're gonna take those hits so you're no problem.
3: I don't like this. <laughs> I am upset that you're making me do this, and that I had to research as much as I had to for this <laughs> I'm just not happy right now, Nathan. <laughs> it's okay (laughs) it's not all right so to actually dive into things one thing that i do want to specify is what we're actually talking about here so nathan what is a slave a
2: slave is a person that has been captured very willingly and is Amen. now put in very unwillingly and is now put to service uh for for um basically think of them as an animal right uh they should be treated like an animal used like an animal <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i mean i'm right though uh, you know
3: i'm just saying <laughs> all right let me try to ask a different question, then, okay, <laughs> are there different varieties of slaves that you might interact with in d anD D game?
2: You know, there's the big, muscly slaves. There's the less muscly slaves. There's there's the the, the smart slaves, and there's the the sailor slaves, the criminal slaves, and the and the the normal, slave, I I don't know, Remy. Come on,
3: I mean, you've said honestly more accurate things than I was actually expecting. So, for any other subject, I'd say good on you, but I'm hey. not going to. <laughs> All right, muscly slave, to use your vernacular. Okay. this is a very true thing. You, there would be many strong individuals desired for the purpose of slavery. For example, gladiators, to go with the kind of more well-known example for that, like gladiators were massive money makers. Like, and to be honest, like if you look at sports players nowadays, you can still see that strong people getting paid to do things that most just average people cannot is a massive draw to... Watch and be entertained by, and in a D and D world, though it it gets worse. I'm curious, Nathan. Can you tell me why it would be even worse for D and uh, mind control. That's one. Uh, monsters. I mean, you're not wrong, but I mean, that's just a general world danger, not more for them specifically.
2: Uh, I I don't know.
3: Resurrection.
2: Oh
3: normally people are able to have the sweet embrace of death to escape yes. such things.
2: The sweet embrace of death
3: But that is not always the case in a D world. Thankfully, there is one silver lining to it, which is the fact that all resurrection spells do have a oh, very yeah. important line. The soul must be free and willing. That doesn't mean, though, that you won't have an asshole like Nathan in charge of the world. That may or may not include that line. Hey,
2: hey, come on now, Remy. You don't, you don't need that clause. All you need to do is just be like, if you don't listen to what I say, and don't come back when you're resurrected, I will kill everyone you care and love, um, who's left out there. And you know, you, you, the, the rest, the rest writes itself. Okay.
3: Yeah, yeah, it does. I fucking hate you right now, but yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, so yeah. And if Nathan is able to come up with that, you bet your ass that there would be people in the world who would be able to think of that. Hey. Like, uh, like honestly, Nathan, you're a good barometer for just general asshole nish <laughs> in the world. <laughs> just like, if you can think of a thing, then yeah people would be able to think of a thing. Because I know that you haven't read the books for the sake of reference. If you're able to just come up with it, then yes, someone without context would still be able to think of it.
2: Hey, I I can't meta game if I
3: don't know the meta. (laughs) I mean, you could. It would just be a coincidence. Yeah. (laughs) But purposefully, no. But yeah, so that is absolutely a thing that, you know, a gladiator's owner could and probably would do. Because as terrible as this is for myself, like to watch a DD and d gladiator fight would be fucking amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's terrible, but I that's just what I think. Because could you imagine if you had like dire wolves and just all of the crazier monsters that exist in D&D? Yeah, and you could actually have fights to the death in the arena, like, that you would get to watch.
2: Just watching those people get torn apart, I, I understand the it satisfaction, and then they'd be able
3: to be resurrected after the fact. So you can have all kinds of fights to the death yep. in a gladiator slowly arena in d where they just get resurrected using the proceeds. Yeah, slowly seeing so
2: like slowly seeing their like willpower get like chafed and and destroyed. Is something that I, I I really do enjoy in my D&D world.
3: Like, that's something that, like, honestly, if you're willing to truly lean into this, that could be a kind of awesome campaign. Because if you think about it, the XP for being a gladiator in a and d world would be amazing. Hey, but them- at the same time, like, you'd have some pretty interesting roleplay opportunities to, like, converse with your fellows you know, gladiator slaves to like having to deal with those kinds of like parties that gladiators were traditionally like allowed in to just be the showpiece that their owner would just kind of show off. Like there, there'd be interesting storytelling in that. Like there's a reason that the movie gladiator is so popular, like that there are so many shows set in ancient Rome that do talk about such things. Like this is something that it can make very interesting storytelling but at the same time, like, that is, like, I'm not the nicest person, but that gets into a level of just evil that I'm just generally not okay with. Like, so this is something that I would never just, like, spring on a party. Cause God, that's fucked up. At the same time, like, if you are going into it of just, like, hey, I want to just try out this thing that is out of my comfort zone. What do you all think? Do you think that this would be an interesting adventure to play? Then yeah, go for it. I'm sure everyone
2: at the table will very much enjoy all this, you know. And
3: as a quick reminder, Session Zero is a very good idea (laughs) where you do discuss what people's thoughts, feelings, and boundaries are. So before you do anything with this subject, anything at all, just have a talk with your players. Because again, Even different aspects, different types of slavery do trigger people differently. So just, again, use your best discretion and just open an honest communication. Because it can get real fucked up and we're gonna be getting there in a few minutes, I'm sure. Yay! (sighs) So before we do move on, though, can you think of any other types of muscly slaves?
2: muscly slaves. Hmm. I mean, haven't like I I believe everyone has had that dream, right? Of like you know, you sit in a like throne or something, and have like a bunch of people lift you up and they walk you around.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. That is a thing that can be a nice dream. Just although to me, they would be well paid individuals and not slaves. Let us go, uh, my slaves. The idea of getting carried around. God, and this is why it's a good thing that you will never actually have significant power. Let us go, my slaves. We, we have much to see. I mean, yeah, like, there is definitely a thing for just having you know, oh, pretty in-shape people to just do things that you don't want to do. And also related to that, laborers would arguably be one of the largest sources of slaves just in any world so part of the reason i'm in such a downer mood after just starting this topic is of course me being me i did some research hey Uh, how many people do you think were enslaved in the year 2019 uh tree
2: mexicans
0: no
3: more than
2: a Four. little low. 40 Maybe.
3: million. Where are these all? What? what? Okay. Every. In, all the... er, what? On Earth, in okay. 2019, 40 million people were enslaved. So this is just off of Wikipedia, but I don't want to get more accurate data because fucking hell, this is depressing.
2: Uh, so I've got a question. Uh, first uh-huh. off, where, where are these slaves from? Uh, Next, why these people become slaves? Entry,
3: where can I get them? I I, Wait, no. um, Okay, uh, I'm just going to read just one paragraph (laughs) from the wiki that sums things up. All right. In 2019, approximately 40 million people, of whom 26% were children, were enslaved throughout (laughs) the world, despite it being illegal. In the modern world, more than 50% of enslaved people provide forced labor usually in the factories and sweatshops of the pirate sector of a country's economy. In the industrialized countries, human trafficking is a modern variety of slavery. In the non-industrialized countries, enslavement by debt bondage is a common form of enslaving a person, such as captive domestic servants, forced marriage, and child soldiers. Whoa, that's uh, kind of heavy. Yeah, in the decade that we're living in, there's that many. <laughs> that I mean, does not make me happy. So forced labor though now is apparently 50%. So in a D&D world, I would imagine it might actually be higher because there is a lot of dangerous work that nowadays has been replaced by machines. So hopefully in a more civilized type of D&D world, you might actually have magical equivalents. Yeah, we can have machine slaves. Well, Yeah. Yay. So, I mean, we talked before about how mind control is a thing, but there's also constructs. And, we I mean, we did a full episode on Warforge, so there's a little bit more context there for just souls, questions, constructs, all that kind of stuff. But exactly where you define the line, just in your D&D world, of an animated construct being sentient or sapient is up to you as the dungeon master for your world. There is not a canonical line drawn. It is, you know, mysterious is the general question in Eberron. But, you know, your world may vary. So even if you don't consider people being enslaved as the only method, well, d d has other options. So is it okay to have just undead that do forced labor is it okay to have constructs that do forced labor like that is something that may actually be a question in your dnd games and that's the kind of thing that i do think can actually also make some interesting stories to tell because there are types of sentient undead i mean let's stick with vampire as the most classic version a hey, vampire. In a D world, you. if a person dies but is a vampire, like, does a vampire have rights in a city? No. Like, or are they considered legally dead? Vampire, we can do anything with you. Yes, sounds good. Okay. Maybe? So that's the point. Like, this is where the idea of laws in a D world are pretty interesting to me because there can be massive variations. Is it necrophilia if you fuck a vampire? Well, okay. Necrophilia is illegal in all places that I'm aware of, and I'm not going to do any research to find <laughs> the places where it isn't illegal. That is uh, unnerving. <laughs> I'm happy in my ignorance for this specific situation. I'm going to do in some a wor- In a D&D world, though, like it's actually a question. Like, would having sex with a vampire legally be necrophilia or are there like more nuanced laws for for undead like is it is the law instead that it's not such if it's sentient undead but that mindless undead like a zombie might still be considered necrophilia but like, is this a thing that different cities or countries or empires have different laws about which might cause conflict between places like this is this is a legitimate question, as much as I fucking hate it. But anyway, we're not doing a necrophilia episode, so that's a bit of a tangent. Dang it! <laughs> but laws for slaves as well is something that is likely to be very different laws. Because, again, going back to just what a slave is. So let me actually give the wiki definition while I still have that tab open. Someone who is forbidden to quit their service for another person, parentheses, a slaver while treated as property. Slavery typically involves the enslaved person being made to perform some form of work while also having their location dictated by the slave. Historically, when people were enslaved, it was often because they were indebted or broke the law or suffered a military defeat. And the duration of their enslavement was either for life or for a fixed period of time, after which freedom was granted. Okay, there's actually rather a lot to unpack there. So, again, keeping the law consideration for just a moment here, what is a slave in a specific place in your D&D world might vary. Also, whether there are differences in who or what can be a slave might vary. So going back to the ancient Rome example, like mm-hmm. there were examples of s- some slaves becoming citizens. So is that going to be a thing in your d d world? Or is a slave a slave? Are there cities that forbid slavery? Are there well, empires that forbid slavery?
2: Once a slave, always a slave. You know what they say.
3: And do you have you know old Southerner assholes who do have those kinds of outdated opinions, or just people like me?
2: I'm but, doing this for a joke. I'm just saying. No, it's not genuine whatsoever. <laughs> I swear. Why the police knocking at the door? Help!
3: Uh, you're about to become a member of your country's military to defend your country. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, it, so going back to uh, the definition here in the, on the wiki page, though. Okay. Indebted, broke the law, military defeat, and then also the talks about duration. All of those can each be a rather interesting point here. Debt. Someone being in debt, getting sentenced to slavery is something that has been historical fact, probably for all of human history. So in d and I could very easily see that being the case. So maybe that is the case where, you know, a judge has authority to assign some value to their labor and then they have to pay back or... Pay some specified amount after which, you know, legally they are supposed to be free. And whether a place actually does so or not is up to you as the dungeon master. Mm. So with that being said, though, if you consider the rules as written in D&D that an unskilled worker is considered to make two silver a day. How long would it take someone, Nathan, to pay off a 100-gold debt? Many,
2: many time thingy. (laughs) Uh
3: Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not wrong, am I? Uh, You're not. (laughs) So, that would be 500 days. If that individual is working every single day. But... This is where things get even murkier because it might be either a local norm or it might just be a nice individual or organization who does own slaves and might treat them moderately well. Like maybe they do decide, okay, if I'm going to have slaves, I'm going to do everything in my power to not have them band together, try and kill me. So I'm going to try to treat them well. You'd think that more people who own slaves might have that thought, but generally that does not seem to have been the case why, historically. Why would you treat your slaves well, you know? Because there's a thousand of them and ten of us. Because? an action economy matters indeed. <laughs> <Action definition. economy. laughs> <laughs> well, if you have guns, it doesn't matter. Um. Eh. I don't know about that. If it's a thousand to ten, and everyone is just carrying a couple of rocks to throw in your general direction, you're probably gonna die. I mean, like,
2: um, so, Remy, as, as an American, can you give me some wise advice in in the ways of your country in the past? How, how did they control their slaves? Fear. Fear? Oh, that's
3: fun. So, how, how fear? Ugh. <sighs> this is very educational so there's a, f- a lot so one was what you mentioned before so you're my slave so is your entire family if hey. you run i'll kill them all Aha. or do worse and they did uh, oh okay a lot Th- that's not good it was not <laughs> and then i would say that's actually pretty bad also there were a lot of people who were born into slavery they would allow their slaves to breed as repugnant as that sentence is that that was a thing that the masters controlled like cattle yes yeah so you would have people who were literally born as slaves and just didn't know anything else so it wouldn't be hard to just lie and say like, oh, this is the best life you'll ever have. There's nothing out there better for you. I just don't tell them anything truthful about the outside world and convince them that it's in their best. Well, that's kind of a dick move, though. Yes.
2: Yes, it was. Like, like you know, the initial slaving, you know, I, I understand to some extent, you know, it's easy labor, but past a point, you know, it becomes a bit questionable. You know, I don't know what little Johnny did to deserve being a slave.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more,
1: He was born.
2: I mean, yeah that that's that's not very cool.
3: It's not like uh, the the sheer proliferation of such throughout human history, though, shows that it it did has and will happen as long or as humans Johnny. are humans. R O J. But anyway, back to keeping them under control, though. Uh huh. So yeah, fear. But now, there's also D&D. D&D!
2: Everyone loves D&D. So, D&D has actual mind control that works. Yay, mind control. Everyone's happy. Maybe. They'll be happy. You'll be happy. That, that
3: may actually be the case, as much as I hey, despise okay, that so I,
2: I Actually, here's, here's a moral question, Remy. Which would be better? Oh, dear. Controlling them with fear. So, they're perfectly aware of their situation and how fucked they are, right? Mm-hmm. Or mind-controlling them so they enjoy everything and they're very happy despite their situation. You mean,
3: like, which slaver would I murder more horrifically for doing such? Or which is better situation for the slaves themselves? Because that's an important distinction. Why, why not both? Okay. So in terms of which is... So the second question first, which is better for the slaves themselves? Unfortunately, the second one, one—the them being mind controlled would make their lives less horrible on them emotionally if they are mind controlled competently. On the other hand, depending on exactly how you make use of mind control, if it's the type where their body is forced to do the deeds, but their mind is still their own and screaming, that's real bad. Oh my god, that's amazing. I, I love
2: this idea. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Ah, oh, damn, that's...
3: Uh, it's good. So, Fuck. I think that that type might be the one that deserves the worst death. <laughs> but if it's actual mind, mind control, where you can actually like have them enjoy a day's work and actually mind control them to contentment with their life and don't treat them as horribly as is typical they still need to die but they might but I'd be slightly more okay with granting hey, them a uh, quick death or,
2: or even better right they, they take pleasure in pain and then when you hit them they say thanks that's, that's how we go around here this is good okay um, no, that's see, how you that, that
3: crosses that uh, moral event horizon once again I would say <laughs> so no alright um uh, but on the other hand, also control through fear, also deserving of slow death. (sighs) I'm having too much fun. (laughs) You are, and I I am not. (laughs) Truly not. This may well be the episode I'm most displeased that I've ever recorded. And we still have a ways to go, too. (laughs) This might end up being a long one. Anyway. So indentured servitude, historically a thing. Easy to see how that could happen in D&D. And as much as I despise the words that I'm about to say. It's the version that I personally at least am the least vehemently against. Because I can at least see a logic there that if a person has done a crime and there is a legal authority that is able to guarantee some amount of safety for the individual i can see a logic in the argument but again i can't ever trust any people whether real or even fucking fictional to actually abide by such an agreement not just humans but just people regardless of any detail cannot be trusted to not be self-serving assholes if they have any opportunity to do so in any way, shape, or form. So even if I believe that such might have been possible, I would not actually trust people to follow the details of such an arrangement. However, this is a D&D podcast, so we are going to focus on that. That could be an amazing adventure. If somehow word were to reach the players of someone in this kind of situation. Someone who has worked off their debt and continued to be a slave. And then having this kind of discussion amongst a party and what they're willing to do to help them, to deal with it. Hey, you know, the fun thing about
2: this is that you can always write it to be as horrible as possible. Be like, okay, so let's say that's the what the the slave has kids and one of the kids actually becomes a good friends with the kid of the master right and then suddenly the kid goes missing or something happens to the father and oh my god it's so good there's all sorts of people that pull around
3: destroy relationships to ruin it's great yeah I don't like the way that you said that, but technically your the content of your statement is accurate. There are multiple branches of interesting stories that can be told just using that basic setup. So you can have like the childhood friends angle, you can have, you know, the star-crossed lovers angle. But again, what most people seem to forget about is the fact that the classic star-crossed lover origin, Romeo and Juliet didn't exactly end well for them. I
2: think everyone dying is a very good ending very good
3: um, so if one person it is doesn't of die up to you as the dungeon master even better to decide what type of tone you're going for in your own world Pain. to perhaps have Pain. such perhaps have such a story actually have a happier or at least somehow less shitty ending Pain! <laughs> you monster <laughs> All right, so, anyway. Right, right. Sorry. What? No, no, there's there's still more. Oh. Military defeat. This is one I could actually see happening kind of a lot in a D&D world. If someone does succeed in conquering someone else, the losing party often becomes slaves. Like, that, again, happened historically a lot in a D&D world where, again, you have a lot of magic available. I could also very easily see that being a thing. Also, just in terms of how, uh, keeping slaves under control again, magic like there is canonically unbreakable items like the unbreakable arrow and just the unbreakable minor property. Mm. So if you just had just like, a you know, a wire fence that was actually unbreakable. unbreakable. Well, fuck. Like, and just- if you have the gold to have a significant quantity of slaves, that's a thing that's probably within your abilities. Hey,
2: all you need to do is do the zombie thing. Climb on each other. It'll be great.
3: I mean, maybe. And that also could be kind of interesting. That actually could be another impetus for adventure. So you have, you know, 20 slaves all work together to try to get someone over the fence, you know, away from patrols, away from any... Uh, divination magic that might be trying to keep an eye on them and they get and caught like, and killed and work, brought back But or maybe like they make the choice like most of us are probably going to die but if we mm-hmm. can get one person successfully out to just let someone Where's know that? we're here that well, might we be exist wor- that. like that could be a hell of a powerful story and then if be. you have that person's some individual succeed in getting out and like get to your party of adventurers again. That could be a very interesting story to just see when they're it's told that tense. story. What do they choose to? Yes, but again, this is the, this is a dark goddamn story. So this is something that may well be not, very heavy. I like yeah, it. not exactly something that a lot of players might want to deal with in their escapist fantasy. My
2: escape is fantasies for pain and suffering.
3: <laughs> so, all right. Speaking of pain and suffering, mm-hmm. there is something that I've been very purposeful in not mentioning up to this point. And what might that be? <sighs> Sexual slavery. So, again, millions of people now are still in some form of slavery. If half of them are doing labor that still leaves a very uncomfortable number that are trafficked for the purpose of sexual slavery. That is not okay. So not okay. So in a DD d world where, especially if it is one individual or a small handful of individuals for a very gross harem, that's relatively easy for any magic user of power to do. Just making use of charm person, operant conditioning, and just lack of options. Again, talking about how it'd be very difficult to escape from a magic user. It is inevitable that there would be some amount of this in a D&D world if you assume our morality is one to one or even close in a d world. So, how much you want to. Make that known or prominent is up to you as the dungeon master by it, Ugh, what it could be used for
2: plot reasons if everyone's okay for it because it could be interesting to try and sneak into one of these things uh, with your character and then try to jump and kill like surprise kill the uh whoever's doing the magic. If you're able to somehow trick them into thinking that you've been charmed or something. And then getting the killing blow as they try to, you know, uh, do unspeakable things to you. So, that that could be a very... Um, I don't know how to phrase it, but could be an interesting way to... Mm-hmm. Could be an option. Yeah, could be an option to ha- how how you could handle this if it's okay for your game.
3: So... Okay. Alright. Another version that would also be very messed up, assuming magical mind control, it would be terrible, but also kind of interesting storytelling if there was a contingency or just some kind of more direct mind control, like some form of you know suggestion, compulsion some kind of if-then statement somehow, regardless of what you know, whatever they have available, like that the slaves have to fight to the death to defend their master. That is something that could be very interesting in a DD d game. So imagine if you have like the, you know, guards, the harem, just all these individuals in this mansion that are under this magic user's control and the party is able to know or find out that these people are not doing this of their own free will. Do they attempt to knock out these people to try to help them later, but also leaving them potentially able to get woken up to be against them later? Do they kill them and consider that like a hopeful release from their situation? There is a moral debate to be had. And And that could be a potentially interesting one.
2: Hmm? I was just thinking, right? Wouldn't it be cool to have a setting that when this kind of stuff, right, like slaves and stuff, are mostly normalized and whatnot, but then like some serious changes happen and then, yeah, um, the law has changed, right? But most of the people, a lot of people are still not, like the culture hasn't changed yet, right? And you, you, your party has been tasked. This crack team has been tossed with going around the country and saving all the slaves.
3: Maybe. And honestly, if you're going to make use of slaves in your world, I would sincerely hope that it is from the perspective of, oh shit, this is bad, let us help these people. But there's where we might run into a bit of a stumbling block. How do individuals define people? You know, skin color. Um.
2: It speaks, it walks, it's a person, well, it looks like a person speaks like a person, smells like a person, it's a
3: person. What if it's a sentient horse
2: It's a person a
3: a personable horse yep so okay, just for the sake of argument, because I am that type of asshole perfectionist. you all know this by now. What if you did want to make? large scale slavery, a more prominent thing in your D&D world. Ooh, very fun. Is there a situation wherein you could do so and have it be at all less morally shitty? Uh, necromantic slavery. Yeah, but again, like, again, that's actually one thing I like about that, is that that could actually be debatable whether that is slavery. Because is it just puppeting of a corpse, in which case it would be illegal necromancy, or is it a form of slavery. Right. And again, that's one of the good arguments I would say. Like this is something that could be an actual debate in a D&D game. So, also, I have mentioned at length that I don't trust in a basic good of humanity. Ooh, I As a something. DM, you can change that. You can choose to actually have people not be as terrible as I believe them to be, how naive! If you want to make indentured servitude a thing, and actually have it be illegal to modify the contract, or have like legal standards that are required for like standards, health, safety, all those two kinds of things, that might actually be a thing that be able to work in a D and D world. Hey, hey, Remy. Yes, Nathan. I just thought of an interesting
2: way to handle this. I'm concerned. So you're talking about how like contracts can't be trusted. Now would you would you find it interesting to have a setting that contracts, right? Magical contracts, they're all done through a a devil of sorts, right? And basically a s something is held forfeit where where it's like it, it will be taken by the devil if the the things aren't met and uh so on and so forth. And then that's basically the basis where ah this contract can't be broken because the devil is watching. And then this creates an interesting, like very hard um contract sort of thing where yeah, this so, contract can be trusted.
3: For once, I actually agree and approve of most of what you just said. Well, I would yeah. highly suggest one rather significant tweak to that, however. So mm-hmm. As we discussed way back in devils and just magical just is a subject that is of interest to me. Mm-hmm. So why, if this is a thing that devils can do, would magic users not try to figure out a way to have magical contracts that are not backed by devils? Because boy, does that seem like that'd be a useful thing to have. And if you live in a world where you might spend tens of thousands of gold on magic items and such you'd think that some type of contract that they'll actually make the item or that this is a thing that that quantity change, you'd think that magical contracts would be more of a thing then
2: ah, I just thought of a fun one maybe it's a case where for example uh, it's seen as the devil is the arbiter and the other thing is that more importantly it could be the devil can compel you so that way yeah, you can have your, is, your
3: obedient no, no. slave. And again, thing. you as a dungeon master can make this choice. Mm-hmm. Because again, by rules as written, Mechanus is a plane of pure order that exists in the D&D multiverse. So by rules as written, there is a plane of order that is able to make golden contracts that can be put into the chest of a marut that is you know a creature of order that is going after any type of contract like it gets kind of silly but the point is you can choose as a dm to have magical contracts backed by mechanists instead of devils or just have magical contract, just be a magic item that just exists like if you're just willing to spend the gold just for a magic item to enforce the deal do that that could I mean, be
2: kind of cool yes but it's not as cool as having a third party that might
3: have their own plans potentially but i'm saying that you as a dm have options you could go with the devil contract you could go with a mechanist contract you can go with the interpretation that You know, magical contracts can just be made as a thing, just as a magic item that exists in your world. Whatever suits just your story and your world, you can do. So, okay, again, if you're a regular listener, then you know that I have a thing for numbers and charts and such. So, hey, Nathan, what do you think is the worst thing that I've probably ever made? No, no, you don't. could, Could it be?
2: It's a chart. Listing all the prices of slaves and how much you want slaves, how many slaves you want. Ding, Uh-oh. ding, ding.
3: We have all a the slaves. Many so, slaves. As a dungeon master of some years, slavery is a topic that came up in just games that I've played in previously. Your party so members were came like, up, I want slaves. Well, once, yes, actually. Oh, <laughs> or just like, hey, wait a minute. Slaves are worth how much gold? And so I actually did play in a short campaign where I DM'd a group of slavers to actually show things from the other perspective and just showing this is how people are collected. This is how they're processed. This is how they are sold. And yeah, that's probably one of the worst things that I've ever done, but... It was an interesting story that we played. But as part of that, I made an entire like full-page Excel sheet of just many, many options and variables because in a D&D world especially, there would be a lot of variation in the value of Imagine, individuals. Imagine you're playing Pokemon, but instead of Pokemon, it's people. <laughs> <sighs> uh, gotta catch them all gotta catch them all
1: <laughs> yeah so
3: yeah so i made a chart that if you just have an attractive humanoid of you know this race and this beauty and this you know willingness or just attitude or i, I made a lot of variables because of course i fucking did even when i dislike a subject i'm still me and goddamn it i'm gonna be thorough Oh my god, this is amazing. So, I have just shared... Yeah, I have shared it with Nathan to let him see. So, I have most of the common humanoid races. I have modifiers based on if they're a leveled individual, if they're a spellcaster. Like, how valuable is the person's talents?
2: I just thought something that, that kind of interested me. What? So, like, there's stuff that makes sense, like right? Like, in a fucked up way, it makes sense. Like, baby, mm-hmm. like... Depending on the situation, it could be minus 50% or multiply by 5. Uh-huh. But the one that interests me is hideous, where it's like, oh, you minus 26 gold or um, it's 50% more? Yeah. Why would that be?
3: Okay, let me paint you a picture. Okay. Let's say that you just have an average human guy slave Mm-mm. who you want to become a gladiator for you. This individual is oh. just thoroughly average looking. He is incredibly talented, but he's so average looking that he just doesn't ever get much of a following. However, in one fight, he loses badly, not badly and enough to die, but enough to be mangled. He's lost an eye. His nose is permanently crooked. He has scars covering his face. He looks scary. All of a sudden, people are interested in this individual. All of a sudden, he has a following. If you're later trying to sell that to a competing gladiator owner, how would that influence their value? Remy,
2: honestly, you're scaring me how deeply you've thought about this. Um...
3: It's what I fucking do. (laughs) Oh, boy. Very attractive. Times 10? Indeed. Because if you consider a commoner of exceptional beauty, they're going to be worth considerably more than even someone that might have more useful talents, if indeed it is their attractiveness that you're buying them for. So, Remy...
2: Can you tell me what would be the first off most cursed, secondly, the most expensive slave that you could get? Sorry, what was the first thing you wanted to know? Most cursed. Um, most cursed? So, think, let, let me just see. How can I make it as expensive as possible? So, it's a wizard, level 20. Um, uh-huh. A wizard, level 20 troll, that is exceptional. Um <laughs> wizard, level 20 troll. Uh-huh, uh-huh is um a baby
3: very okay, attractive no 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 the, the baby one would not be relevant to that one <laughs> why, why not it's, it's... you're not get, you're not Time's live. you're not gonna have a level tw- no the level 20 wizard bit is gonna be the more important modifier there
2: no no i'm I'm,
3: I'm getting, bringing in the, this as far as it goes okay fine they were true polymorphed <laughs> into a troll baby fine okay, continue go this baby
2: is the most fucking attractive baby in all the lands. And it's extremely uh-huh.
3: willing. <laughs> uh-huh. How much would this cost? Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> okay. Let's see. <laughs> this is a lot of math that you've just requested on me. <laughs> Insert elevator music here in the editing. Oh god damn it. Yeah, I need a calculator for this one too many things. All right, just to be sure I have all this right, you said level 20 troll wizard with exceptional stats who is a very attractive baby. Yes. Okay.
2: Very willing as well. Oh, and
3: willing, excuse me. Sorry, just Yes. yes..: on.
2: I mean, we've all done that thing, right, where we, you go to the, the like anything with customization, it's like, how much would it cost to get the biggest thing? <laughs> uh-huh. It's like, okay, like, I, I only really need this like cheapo thing, but what if how much would the, the, would the
3: expensive thing with all okay. the modifications? Yeah, so that would come out to 96 million gold. Yay! <laughs> for a biologically immortal baby troll wizard, amazingly attractive and willing. <laughs> even quantify a whirling baby anyways um. i i'm assuming that it's a level 20 wizard so there's a true polymorph involved yeah probably <laughs> just getting a level 20 wizard baby alone i have to assume that that's what's happening here <laughs> that or some weird type of curse that just prevents aging so they're physically a baby but something funky magically yeah. is going on <laughs> So yeah, the point though is that yes, I did make a very very thorough chart, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Ooh, it, you
2: can get you can get a a human pretty cheap. I like this, like thirty gold pieces. Then you, uh, yeah, just like you know, just average guy. You know, yeah. he's an adult. Kind of average and looks, kind of average attitude. 30 dollars, $30, my man. Thirty,
3: no, 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 no thirty gold. Thirty and gold what is thirty gold. I don't know, God, dude. We've talked about that in so many episodes. I, I have bad memory. A gold is usually valued at a hundred U.S. dollars. That That's would make thirty so gold three thousand dollars. Three thousand dollars. Average is average guy. Yes. Whoa. That's
2: not cheap. I, I, no. I, I, was, I was expecting I would,
3: like $200. You know, If you want to make slavery that cheap in Riftwake, you do you. I'm not going to make it that easy. But whatever you dungeon masters decide to do in your own world, slavery is an important topic. So some consideration is worth for how you want to treat that subject in your world. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash To your start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to a monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Rift Wake Podcast, on Facebook as riftwake, on Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash podcast, And you can send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's
0: rules at gmail.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership.